0: This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 187. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now, you're Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com, and I'm joined... By my co-host, as usual. I was trying to you think said of something. You sounded
1: really excited I mean, there. It was like you were so <laughs> I depressed. Know. I was trying. And well, I was thinking me. to okay, myself, like, I
0: got I to say something different. <laughs> but there's there's nothing. I can't, I can't think of anything. What we thought of originally is just so great, I guess. We just never change it. We'll go with that. So anyway, I'm joined by Lisa Clough of Lockery Fine Art. How are you, Lisa?
1: I'm never better. How are you? If we're going to throw Today, things off, I'm going to confuse you. <laughs>
0: Today I am good. So (laughs) what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about a struggle that a lot of artists have when they're starting with colored pencil, and that is paying attention to detail, getting better details. You may feel that you have spent so long working on a piece, so why doesn't it look like a photograph? That was your goal. You wanted it to look like a photograph, um, assuming you did, for those of you who don't. I'm not bashing your style of art, but for this, we're talking about those who are trying to get something super realistic and they just can't pay attention to the details. They can't get it to look super realistic. And it, I, I've seen it so many times over the years with, with students as they're getting started. And I would say one of the biggest causes for this is not spending enough time. And you tell an artist who spent two, three hours on something, they're like, what are you talking about? I've spent a ton of time on this. Yeah. no. Not really. I would have spent, let's say you were drawing a full like leopard head and you spent three hours on the entire thing. Okay, I would have said three hours on the ear. You know, really spending more time, break it down into a small, small area. And that... I don't know. For me, I've seen that as being probably the biggest thing. And I think that YouTube videos, the, the time lap video, lapse videos, really create the illusion that things are being done faster than yes. you think they are. And they're not. Yeah. And it's not that we're trying to fool people. It's just that it's YouTube and you need to speed things up.
0: Oh, you are too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is you may see a video that I spent 20, you know, it looks like it's a 20 minute video. So you're like, oh, I could get this done in a night. No, that took me a month. I mean, you know, you know, you really got to understand how to slow down. It is a slow medium. It can be very relaxing. It's not that, I mean, yeah, it's tedious too sometimes, but, you know, you have to understand you've got to slow down.
0: Yeah, right, right. No, I I think that's a big one right there is slowing down, taking the time, realizing this is, this is a dedicated craft. It's going to take, some time, and you're not, and you're not going to improve and see just this big leap forward on your first several pieces either. You have to be diligent at it and just stick with it. And give yourself enough time and allow yourself to fail at it, to make some mistakes at it, to ex- uh, to just be exhausted with yourself uh, when you're starting out. Now, I'm talking to a newer artist. If you're just starting out <clears throat> in colored pencil, and I think a lot of problems with this medium um and I, I'm putting problems in quotes here but is there's not enough uh understa- there's not enough um awareness I, I guess I would say within like art stores and things like that about what it is that we do as colored pencil artists who are creating highly detailed renderings um there there's just not enough Education out there. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, I went into an art store and I was I was interested in graphite. I was just starting to draw again. You know, I hadn't drawn since I was in my early 20s and I. I asked you know, a couple of the sales associates in the art store a little bit about graphite and they went on and on and on and on and on and on and on on about graphite and told me all kinds of things about the hard leads and soft leads and how to blend and all of this. And they just exhausted me with all this information. And then we talked about oil painting because I used to oil paint and they talked a lot about that. And then I came back in later after I went back online and I looked at some nice, highly detailed uh, pieces in colored pencil and I was just blown away and I didn't realize anyone was doing anything in colored pencil. I go back to the art store, same people I had talked to before who were so knowledgeable about paper and pencils and oil paints and everything else. And I asked them about colored pencils and I said, well, how do you use those and which, where are the pencils and what do you recommend? And they said, oh, there's some right over here and there's like a little tiny section. And they said, that's if you want to do more details. I said, well, is that, is that it? I mean, is that all? And they said, yeah, if you want to get more details, then you can use color. You know. <laughs> that was about the amount. Of the information that they gave me, I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to learn anything here," you know. So I started looking in a lot of other places, but that's part of the problem. And then uh, you, because people just there's just so many people still that are not aware of how fine art colored pencil artists are able to create highly detailed rendered drawings. It's a time consuming process. One of the things I see with my students is they'll move the pencil across the paper surface so fast. It's like they just wanna scribble and get it done. Oh, let's get this done. Let's get this uh, color in here and they'll create something very flat and they'll just run over the paper very quickly and they're flattening out the tooth while they're doing that. They're burnishing it accidentally But that's one of the problems with this medium is – or one of the problems with using that type of technique or a lack of technique, I I would probably say, is that if you're running over the surface so quickly, if your pencil stroke is so fast, it's going to destroy that finish that you're looking for. You're not going to be able to build up as many layers uh, without doing some other things to it if you're pushing that pencil just so quickly over the surface. It – just takes a lot of time, especially if we're talking about using cotton paper like Stonehenge or something like that, and you're using wax or oil-based medium uh, pencils, then you're going to have to take some time and be careful and deliberate about your pencil strokes and use a very you know light touch at the beginning. It's the thing we always talk about, light touch, a lot of layers, build it up slowly.
1: And if you can look at your piece... And you can see your pencil lines going in one direction, and then they're going in another direction somewhere else, and they're going in. If I can see what direction those pencil lines are going, something's going wrong. That's a good tip for you. When you see that, there's your sign. You are rushing things. Slow down. You should, and you really, it's very hard once you get those definite pencil lines, those kind of scribble marks. It's really hard to get rid of those. I mean, even me, when I would help a student, once they've got those on there, I can kind of cover them sometimes, depending on how hard they push, the paper they're using, the pencils, you know, all of that factors in. But once that's on there, that, that's a pretty good sign you're rushing things. So if you, a lot of people don't understand like, well, how do I know if I'm rushing things? Well, there's one sign. So that's a big point there. And you need to understand too, when you're working in colored pencil, it's not just about getting color on the paper. A lot of people think, okay, I've got blue where the blue goes. I'm done with that area. Well, no, that isn't just blue. It fades from blue. There's a reddish tone in there. It goes into a darker area and a lighter area. And there's so much going on. It's not just this big glob of solid blue. Look, I got colors or just I, I, you know, you may hear me say quite often or John say, you know, usually we won't recommend just putting straight black down. I'll put other colors on top of it so that it's mm-hmm. not flat. That alone still isn't enough because what area are you looking at? I mean, if I look at a piece and it's just at this huge area that's one solid, yeah, yeah, I can see that you added other layers, but the whole area is all the same. There should be variation in there and you really want to watch that in your work. Again, you see those scribble lines, you know something's wrong. If you see a huge huge area that's one big glob of color, you're pr- more often than not that's not how that should look unless it's just like a dark background. But within your well, yeah, subject. Yeah.
0: yeah, even then, you don't you, you 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 typically don't want that. You just yeah. don't want flatness in your piece.
1: Yeah. And this idea of, okay, yellow, put yellow where the yellow goes. Yes. I mean, you'll hear me say that, but it's more than that. And I think sometimes when we simplify things, people can take that a little too literally. You've got to do more. I mean, if you've got an area that needs a kind of a cream color, it usually isn't going to be a third of your paper that color or, or all by itself. There are going to be shadows. There's going to be values. And it's so easy to look at a piece. And when you're looking at the colors and go, okay, I'm, I'm drawing a tiger. I need the right shade of this kind of pumpkin y orange color. I'm just going to put it everywhere. No, absolutely not. If you're doing that, if you're using the same color for that much of an area, you know that there's your next sign. Something's going wrong. If you're using the same pencil for everything, you're going to be switching. Like, let's use a tiger, for example. I'm going to use magentas. I'm going to use purples in that coat. I'm going to use reds. I'm going to use browns. I'm going to use cream. They're going to be, and I'm not talking about the same color, you know, a layer of cream, a layer of tan, a layer of, no, I'm talking about look at your reference photo. Look at the clumps of the fur. Look at, and if you can't see that in your reference photo, you're using the wrong reference photo. You should be able to see the variation where it shifts from one color to another. Like if you look at the black or the stripes, those usually aren't straight black, But you're going to have it fade a little bit from the black to a darker color, maybe a dark, dark brown to a darker orangish red, magenta, and then up into the lighter kind of fawn orange colors. You're going to have a transition and you want to watch that. No matter what subject you're painting, more often than not, you're going to have these transitions and you really want to watch that within your artwork. So it's easy to go, but I shaded. I mean, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I mean, I can see where you started to shade but you, you, you've you got the idea. You know you're supposed to shade, but you're still trying to rush things. You're still trying to get something done in a few hours that should take you weeks or months. I mean, you really want to slow that down. If you realize that you're having problems, that you're, artwork, you're having a hard time getting the details, that is causing a problem. And going back to what John was saying with details, if you're burnishing earlier on because you're scribbling, the pencils aren't going to stick enough when you get to that time where you're starting to clean up edges and really get everything nice and clean. Pencil's not going to stick. You burnished. You, you already trashed the paper so it's not you're not going to get that fine detail to stick on top and especially if you're using a a pencil that has a high wax content like prismacolor or even the luminance more so with the prismacolor Mm -hmm. but you've really got to watch that you're not getting so much buildup that you can't get that detail later on
0: right no definitely and you know it's the same thing that uh, we're thinking of, and especially early on, if you're a newer artist, then you know I I want to, I guess, be a little empathetic towards uh, a newer artist. Sometimes it is difficult when you're just starting out to see some of those colors that just are not the local color or the local hue. Uh, if you're looking at it and you you say what you know what is the predominant color? What is the hue of this? And if you're saying oh it's brown, well then you have to figure out what. What kind of brown is this? What, what am I really looking at? Am I, am I looking at something as more red or more green or more purple? And you have to force yourself to sort of categorize it. Uh, and that will help you quite a bit because then you'll start noticing some of those subtle differences. And as this form changes and it goes in and out of a particular tone, uh, it may be more red at the corner or something like that. And then as it gradates away, from that area. Maybe it changes in its color and it starts leaning towards a different color. So you want to force yourself to look at those things. And if you're using a reference where you say, no, that's all flat right there. Uh, depending. I mean, if it's a background and you're wanting it flat, that's one thing. But if it isn't, if it's something on you know a particular object, most objects that we're drawing, they're not flat. They're, there's some dimension with them. And we That's one of the cheats we want to do. We want to cheat in that way. We want to create something that is better than the photo. We want to create something that looks curved, that we can see where something would naturally go outside of our view. And we want to follow the rules of light with that. So we want something to get darker as it recedes, it gets away, you know, starts moving away from us, that kind of thing. Just, you know, I still do this to this day. If when I'm starting a portrait, I'm going back often. I've got this huge, big coffee table type book of John Singer Sargent. I'll go back and I'll look at different things that he's painted, uh, different portraits. And I'll think about how, you know, he handled curve and how he handled all these forms in the face because I'm looking at that little interplay between light and shadows and how nicely done that, that can look. And I, I want to do that in my pieces. I, I want to show curve. I want to show some dimension. And that's going to take time and it's going to take some interpretation on your part when you're starting your piece.
1: And you may want to you, do a study instead of, let's say you were, I keep going back to the tiger example, but you're painting, you want to paint tigers. You're really interested in tigers. Don't do the whole body to start with. Master painting the eye and the fur around the eye and then the head. And then when you get comfortable with that, you know, you're obviously going to be working on a larger piece. When you want to get a lot of detail, you're not going to get that detail, usually, especially when you're starting, on a very small piece. Work a bit larger. If you're doing a full body, I've got to do a 16 by 20. If I'm going to do a colored pencil full body tiger, 16 by 20 is about the smallest I'm comfortable with going and getting the kind of detail that I want. And maybe a little bit smaller, maybe a. a 18 by 12, no, that's bigger. If that- <laughs> Here, maybe smaller and I list <laughs> a so larger number. My brain's not working right now. But I mean, maybe a little bit smaller, <laughs> but not too much. I mean, if I'm doing the full body, I've got to go bigger. And I don't recommend yeah, yeah. going super large. If you're struggling with details, you know you're not ready for the super large pieces. Do a study, get fine detail just around the eye and the fur around the eye, and then spread that out. Once you get comfortable with that, you really are getting the results you want. Do the full face, but just the face. And I mean, I can do a full face, a tiger face on an 18 or an 8. Gosh, I don't know numbers. 8 by 10 or an 11 by 14 comfortably and get the kind of detail I want. But what, if you can do these smaller studies, you're going to notice things. You want to force yourself to really pay attention to those details. So when you work larger, you you understand how that eye is constructed. You understand which how the fur changes direction around the eye. You know you you really will make it easier on yourself. And I'd say the same thing with portraits. If you're struggling with portraits, slow it down. Do a study of just a nose, just an eye. And yeah, that may sound boring, especially when you do like the nose and the mouth. That that's not super exciting. Just the ear. Do these areas just where that's all you're having to. Focus Focus on, and you can do it in a sketchbook. You don't have to do something large, but you want to be start learning and paying attention to those details, just the hand. So that once you get to where you're you're putting all of this together, you really understand how these individual areas are constructed. And you're not going to be as likely, I think, to try to rush through the whole thing, knowing how long the individual sections really should take you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you're adding to your skill set whenever you're doing that. You're taking small studies and you're just focusing on those things like an eye, ear, nose, mouth, whatever. You're you're actually adding to your skill set. So when you approach that then in a larger piece, in a full portrait, you're not gonna be overwhelmed by it and you're going to handle it uh, with a lot more confidence. And so you're going to, going to make decisions quicker and you're going to be more confident in those decisions. Now, another thing that I've noticed is early on, if somebody's just starting out, uh, I've noticed this several times even recently, that what will happen is they'll start using a particular color um, recipe or whatever you want to call it. They'll have a set of maybe five, ten color choices, and they'll have these pencils right here beside them, and they'll be using those. And then they put it up for a week or something like that, and then they come back to it, and then they forget which pencils they're even using. And they grab a totally different set of pencils and start using that uh, right beside an area where they used uh, different colors last week or you know a few days ago. That is going to affect your finished product. You're going to see a difference in those things. So take notes. I know this may sound silly. Take notes. If you can't remember which colors you were using, take notes and write down the colors and the order in which you use those, how you prioritized. Because you're going to have a finished piece that will look a little odd. It'll look out of balance and you'll have, you know, maybe a a super bright green over on the left side and maybe a dull uh, green over on the right side. Well, that's going to look really odd with your finished piece. So you think of the whole piece as one. There needs to be some uh, unity between everything that you're doing. This is the reason why you know uh, some artists will they'll use the same colors everywhere. Now regardless of how much of that color they're going to be using, if you use red up there in the hair, you're going to use red down in the neck. If you use uh, blue up in the ear, then you're going to use blue in the lips and things like that. you just you you can use it in some smaller, uh, l- layers or lighter layers, but putting those colors everywhere, the same colors, will add some cohesiveness to your piece. So, just another thing to keep in mind when you're starting out.
1: Yeah. And another thing that kind of gives you an idea that you know something's going wrong. If you find that you're having to outline things to separate, let's say, an arm from the background. Oh, yeah that's a good clue that you're struggling with your values or you can get a contrast with colors, but if you can get your contrast with the values, it's, I think it's a little bit easier to understand in many cases, but if your background is dark, or your arm let's say again the arm or the hand or something like that isn't standing out enough then if your hand is light colored make the background a bit darker if the hand is dark colored and shadow or whatever if you can make the background a little bit brighter and that use those values the difference in values to separate and you can do the color too but if you if you're having to outline something that right there just to- told you in most cases yeah. There's a th- this is a problem with with your va- like your foundation values your fa- your foundation you've got to back it up a little bit. It's not even details at that point that's your problem. It's you the colors you're choosing the values that you're going with you need to be able to, to separate one area from another that way not by outlining like you would in a coloring you know you're, you're this isn't a coloring book. This shouldn't have these definite outlines like that.
0: Yeah, because you're not going to use a line to represent anything. A line You know, a pencil line I'm talking about is not going to represent anything, nothing that you'll want to look at for very long, that is. So you want an edge. So you want an edge that represents a value, and it's going to be an abrupt change, depending on what you're drawing, an abrupt change, though, if it's a hard edge with another edge that represents a value associated with it. So hard sometimes Lisa, to talk about these things uh, in audio, but I think and that detail the for the point, sake though.
1: of detail, if yeah. it's wrong, detail doesn't do anything for you. It's kind of a waste of time. You need to, again, backing up, slowing down. Can you tell That's kind of the theme for today? Slow right. down. Let's say right. you're drawing an elephant and you've got the wrinkles around the trunk, and you just start putting lines randomly all over, that doesn't work if it's the mm-hmm. wrong detail. Now, I'm not saying you need to copy every line exactly, but you've gotta make sure they're curving in the right direction, that you've got highlights and shadows where they need to go, because they're not just lines, they're wrinkles, and you need to create a wrinkle, not a line. So if mm-hmm. you're just putting lines all over the place, thinking, okay, it's detailed, it's gonna look more realistic, no, not if it's not correct, and this is, again, back to the very first point we made on today's live stream: you have got to slow that down you've got to pay attention to what really is there in the reference photo because it's not lines. It's not just lines. If you're just seeing lines, that lets you know, look closer. Pay a little bit more attention to that kind of detail.
0: Yeah, same thing. You know, if you're drawing hair, you're not going to do individual strands all over the place. That looks really weird. If you're drawing grass, you're not going to have a whole bunch of detail in the background as you do in the foreground. If there's something that's, you know, you're seeing some uh, depth of of the uh, piece and you're seeing something far away and up close you think about those things you're going to by necessity see less detail as something recedes and it gets further away from you the viewer all right i suppose we could go on and on but i hope that these were helpful and at least did you have anything else All right. so if you would like to add to this list, we'd love to hear any suggestions that you have. You can comment in the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. You can reach out to us, email podcast at com. And this is a weekly show, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.